0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1, 26. God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Our Father, we give you thanks for your holy written word. We thank you for the Holy Ghost to lead us, to guide us, to teach us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And also to enlarge our capacity to receive revelation, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of all these things. We thank you, our Father God, for utterance in the Holy Ghost to proclaim the truth of the Word and the power of the Spirit. That our faith would stand not in men's wisdom or human philosophy, but in the power of the living God. In Jesus' name, Amen. One Sunday morning, an individual was ministering at a local congregation. And as he was ministering, he stressed his concern that so many in the church were sinning and they were not winning. And as he continued delivering his message, he brought forth the fact that there are two things that paralyze Christians And make them ineffective when it comes to solving the problems that people encounter in life. The first one, he said, was ignorance. And the second one, he said, was apathy. And as he continued on delivering his message and talking to the people, he looked and saw an individual in the second row and he said, isn't that right? And the fellow just lifted up his eyes and quietly said to the minister, I don't know. And I don't care. (laughs) Of course, his point was well made. Ignorance is not knowing what God said about a certain subject. Apathy is not caring what he said. God may have said it, but I don't really care. And, of course, if a person doesn't know what God said, they certainly can't act on what God said. But I don't think they're as bad off as as those that know what God said, but yet they don't care what God said. Because, you see, if a person lacks knowledge, you just instruct them in the Word and you can tell them what God said and they'll act upon what God said and do it. But if a person knows what God said and they're not concerned about what God said and they're not going to live their lives or order their lives by what God said, then we have a bigger problem on our hands. And I have to say, I believe the fellow was right. A lack of knowledge and apathy are two major problems in the body of Christ. And the very fact that divorce is happening in record number among church people and also among the clergy reveals to us that Either many lack knowledge with regard to what God stated or said in His Word about the marital relationship or they just don't care. Many just don't care what God said. They're going to live their lives the way they want to regardless of what God has said. Well, beloved, I believe that Psalms 119 verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And the, the major need in the body of Christ today is to have that same word that's established in heaven to be established in our hearts and minds here upon this earth. Amen? God said it. God established it forever and, and, and ever. And God has never changed. We need to find out what he said and then establish ourselves in it and care about what he said and be willing to act upon what he said. There is a need, in other words, for us to be doers of the Word of God in this generation. To apply the principles of God's Word to our lives in all areas. And of course, on our Sunday mornings, in our Sunday morning services, we're discussing the marital relationship and the family unit. Because we really believe that it's important that marital relationships are strengthened. And the family unit is strengthened. So that our nation can be strengthened and also so that the body of Christ can be strengthened. There's a lot of opposition when it comes to the family unit. Why? Because the family unit was God's idea and not man's. And you know, whenever God has a good idea, it's always attacked by the enemy. The enemy does not want God's ideas to be made realities upon the earth. He doesn't want God's will to be accomplished upon the earth. And so he knows if he can attack the marital relationship, he can weaken the family, weaken the nation, weaken the church, can't evangelize the world as effectively as we could otherwise. And so he's targeted the family and, of course, the marital relationship so as to bring division, disunity, and disharmony and be effective in slowing down the process of evangelizing the world. Well, no matter where you're at in your relationship of marriage, no matter what your family is going through right now, I've got some good news for us this morning. And that news is this, that just as Jesus raised up Lazarus from the dead, when it seemed as though all hope was gone and there's no possible way for them to ever experience that life among them again, Mary and Martha, of course, mourning the, the loss of their brother and, and, and just wailing and crying out because, you know, he was taken from the scene. I believe the same way that Jesus called him out from that grave and he came forth, he can also resurrect and raise from the dead Christian marriages and family units. I really believe that. I'm not just talking about Christian either. I'm talking about all marriages and family units. Let's let's not be narrow-minded when it comes to these things. God is concerned about all marriages. God is the one that ordained the holy relation of marriage. He instituted it from the very beginning. See, some have the idea because they're not Christians, it doesn't matter. God's not all that concerned. Yes, He is. He's concerned about the murder relationship. And if there's any relationship of marriage out there that's hurting, even among non- non-believers, God wants to bring healing and restoration. And the first step towards accomplishing that in people's lives is introducing them to Jesus. Jesus is life's problem solver. Jesus can put things back together once again. And see, He wants to do that. If He can raise up Lazarus from the dead, He can raise any marital relationship from the dead also and bring a family unit back to life once again. And that's the business that He is in. He has not changed and He wants to do it. All we need to do is to believe to see the glory of God. What did Jesus tell Mary and Martha? He said, just believe and you'll see the glory of God. Didn't I tell you believe you'll see the glory of God? Certainly He did. Well, you see, too many have lost hope and they've lost vision. And when that happens, then faith can't give substance to anything because their hope is gone. No matter where you're at or where people are at out there that you know of, I want you to let them know that there is hope for their marital relationship. There is hope for their family unit. Jesus is the answer. We've got to to lead people to the problem solver. Jesus is the answer. They need to be introduced to Jesus and the life-changing power of God. And if that will happen and they'll begin to apply themselves to the principles of God's Word and establish God's Word in their lives and marital relationships, they'll have a glorious life here upon this earth. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Psalms 139. Notice in Genesis it talks about the fact that God made man in His likeness and image, both male and female, made He them. And what that means is that it was God's intention to make... Man and and woman complementary parts of his image and likeness. Man is not complete in himself and woman is not complete in herself. Together, they complement one another and reflect the very image of God upon this earth. In order for us to prevent marriages from becoming weak and also for us to help strengthen already weakened marriages, we stated that it's important for each individual, the man and the woman, to understand that there are differences between the male and the female. It's important for them to understand that each of them is fearfully and wonderfully made by God. God designed them to be the way they are. God intended for them to be the way they are from the very beginning. Psalms 139, verse 13, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. I want every one of us to say out there, I am fearfully and wonderfully made by God according to His design." Now remember, I'm talking about a man and a woman. Not necessarily husband and wife at this point, but man and woman. Men and women are both made by God fearfully and wonderfully. In other words, a woman is the way she is because God designed for her to be that way, and a man is the way he is because God designed for him to be that way. I understand that man fell from the very presence of God, and when that happened, there was upheaval in every department of his being. Regardless, men are still different than women, and women are still different than men. And ever since that fall, remember before the fall, there was a blending of those two lives together spiritually, emotionally, and physically that accomplished the purpose of God. But when they fell, they became self-centered, self-willed, independent of each other, and then more trusting in their own and more confident in their own feelings and emotions. And when it comes to the man, we understand there are differences in him. And when it comes to the woman, there are differences in her. And now the blending together of those two lives becomes a difficult thing because now we are living in an imperfect environment. Well, of course, that's no excuse on the sight of God. God still wants us to recognize that we're both fearfully and wonderfully made, and He wants us to do all that we can to blend our lives together in harmonious love so that we can still reflect His image here upon this earth. Can you say amen to that? Amen. I realize Adam and Eve had a perfect environment, beloved, and ours is imperfect, but still, it makes no excuse. It's no excuse. We still can experience in our lives what God wants if we'll just apply ourselves to the principles of His, his Word regarding this relationship. Now, we said that because of the different brain functions that exist between men and women, men being more left-brained, of course, and and women being more right-brained and yielding to it and being influenced by it, we said that men are more apt to be conquer-oriented and challenge-oriented. And they're more apt to yield to logical thinking and be led by that than emotional feelings. But on the other hand, women are more nurture-oriented. Women are more feeling-oriented. Women are more apt to yield to their feelings and emotions and allow them to lead them through life's path. We showed that Abraham used logic in trying to spare his own life when he said to his wife, tell them you're my sister. But it didn't get him anywhere. We saw that Michael, David's wife, She was yielding to her emotions, allowed her emotions to control her life and didn't give her husband the due respect that he deserved and didn't appreciate him as she should have. And therefore, of course, he may have found his respect in the arms of another, namely Bathsheba. And so what we conclude by that first difference between men and women is this. Ungodly emotions are not a safe guide. Ungodly logical thinking is not a safe guide. Those two things will never lead us into the godly blessings that God has provided for all of us in life. And so we conclude this, that men aren't necessarily right. Women aren't necessarily right. It's just the way they're made up. God made man and he is that way predominantly. And God made woman and she is that way predominantly. And each one has a right to be that way because that's the way God made them. But remember, they're complementary parts of the image of God, and they need to blend themselves together, their lives together, to accomplish His purposes. And for the most part, when that's not being worked on in a marital relationship, then the woman is more yielded to her emotional feelings. The man is more yielded to his logical thinking. The two lock horns, and what happens? We have a mess on our hands. So, you see, we have to realize that this is how we're made up. It doesn't mean we're right. It doesn't mean we're wrong. But what it means is... Both of us have a need to fulfill Isaiah 55 in our lives. I want you to turn there with me. Isaiah 55. If there's anyone who is right, God is right. Everybody say it to me, God is, right. God is right. See, God's always right. He's never wrong. The solution to any problem is to find out what God said about it, state that He is right, know that He is right, and do exactly what He said to do. In the book of Isaiah 55, let's remember that women aren't necessarily right because they yield to their emotional feelings, and men aren't necessarily right because they yield to their Sometimes ungodly, logical thinking, God is right, and it's time that we realize that and face that and begin doing things God's way in our lives. Isaiah 55, beginning, if you would please, at verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, call ye upon him while he is near. Let the w- wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. I want you to notice that when man fell from the presence of God, he began to do things his way. And that includes women also. That's not just talking about men, the, man, the male species. It's talking about men and, w- and women together, both male and female. God made man both male and female. So when it talks about man here, let the wicked man or wicked one forsake his way, both men and women begin to forsake the things of God and the ways of God. They begin to pursue life the way it was dictated to them according to their emotional feelings or logical thinking. And so here we see there's the cries by the prophet is this, crying out for what? For the men and women to forsake doing things their own way, begin to seek God. Where you're at in life. If you're a man, begin to seek God for your life. If you're a woman, begin to seek God for your life. And know that the way you're made up is not necessarily going to dictate the right thing for you to do in life. It's not going to motivate you to right actions in your life. Whether it's male or female. Every single one of us needs to be governed by the Word of God, controlled by the love of God. If not, we're going to do wrong things. And if we just follow the course of nature in our own members, what's going to happen? It's going to lead us to the road of destruction. So he says, let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord. He'll have mercy upon him, and, and, and our God, for he'll abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, that shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Now, He didn't just send His Word to heal us and deliver us from our afflictions. He sent His Word to instruct us in life. God's Word is given to us, to a man, to instruct him how to be the man that God wants him to be. So then he can become the husband that God wants him to be. And he's got to forsake doing things his way and start doing things God's way with regard to his own life, including his logical thinking. But yet, the same thing is true with regard to the woman. She has got to realize that it's time for her to come and start doing things God's way. Forsake being led by your emotional feelings and realize that although they're there and they have a right to be there, and they're real for the most part. We don't deny that fact, but they're not a safe God and they don't motivate us always to right actions. Forsake being constantly controlled by emotional feeling alone. And look to the Word of God to begin doing things God's way. Because, you see, God's Word will supersede logic and also emotion. And therefore, each one as an individual has got to realize that and start saying to himself, I'm going to begin doing things the way God would have me do things with my life. Now, the second thing that is very important for us to talk about is the difference... Of course, it's also typical because of the different brain functions in the male and female that exist between the two with regard to the woman. She enjoys the process of obtaining a goal, whereas the the man, he is the one that likes to accomplish the goal as quickly as he possibly can. A woman, she likes to enjoy the process of obtaining a goal. But on the other hand, a man, he likes to accomplish the goal as quickly as he possibly can. Now, that's a definite difference between men and women. Now, we're not stereotyping people and saying all men are this way and all women are this way, but a large percentage of the men are this way and a large percentage of the women are that way also. Turn with me to 2 Kings, if you would, please, and chapter 9. And let's take a look at verse 20. 2 Kings chapter 9 and verse 20. Women enjoy the process of reaching the goal. They enjoy what takes place. You know, she may set a goal, but she enjoys the experience of all that takes place while she's obtaining the goal. Whereas the man, he sets out to achieve a goal and he'll do everything he can to arrive at that goal as quickly as he possibly can. And that's the way he goes through life. And there's a difference then between the way a woman will go through life as opposed to the way a man will go through life. In Second Kings, let's just read that. And the watchman told, saying, He came even unto them, and cometh not again. And the driving is like the driving of Jehu, The son of Nimshai, for he driveth, notice the word furiously, or as my margin reads, as one who is mad. As one who is mad. Now, think about it just for a moment. A woman likes to go through life when she drives, if you'll say it this way, through life. She likes to smell the roses along the way. It's true, isn't it? She likes to smell the roses Along the way, she likes to look at the scenery, smell the roses along the pathway of her life's daily routine or experiences. If she goes to a restaurant and she's out there eating, she notices the lace tablecloth and points it out to her husband. She may notice other things that are there in the restaurant, you know, and points them out to her husband because. She's not living life in the fast lane. She's not, you know, waiting to digest the meal. She's there having a good time, enjoying the experience of it it all. You know, she's driving through life at her own pace, enjoying the scenery and smelling the roses. When she goes to a shopping mall, now you can all relate to this, you know, she likes to browse around. See, to a woman, and I say most women, they like to shop around. They like to to look around, browse around. Why? Because that's in them. They like to smell the roses. They like to enjoy the scenery. Now, I don't know about you, but I remember as a young child growing up, I I wish my mother would have heard this message way back when. Because when I was growing up, I mean, I was an energetic young little boy, and I tell you, I was athletic-minded. I was one that just... You know, I'd play ball at the drop of a hat, and that's just how I was. I was very competitive. I was very challenge-oriented, very conquer-oriented. I mean, I I wanted to win, and that's just the way I was, and that's the way I am, and probably the way I'll always be. You know, because God made me that way, and and I'm not going to change, other than to line up, you know, properly channel that so it could be to the glory of God. But she would take me into a shopping mall, and it would never fail. I mean, she could not understand why we were just on pins and needles. I mean, you just didn't want to stay there in that store. Strauss at that time was at the Southern Park Mall, and she would take us over there. And she'd walk in, and of course, it's that time of year, and she's going to go Christmas shopping. And she's going to find something for, you know, for every member in the family. And so when she goes there, you've got to stand by her side or sit somewhere, you know, and, and be as nice as you can and be as quiet as you can and, and you know, just, just control your emotions and everything else. Just, just be as still cool as you can. It never failed. Just like this is what a woman would do. She'll, she'll go there and she'll get the first item that she sees. This, this is nice for so-and-so. And she'll take that thing and she'll tell the, the clerk to hold that thing for her. And she'll go. It's her obligation and moral duty to go through the entire mall. Every single store inside that mall. Go through the entire mall at least one time. And, and, and thumb through every item of clothing on every rack in the entire mall. And then finally at the end, go back to Strauss's and get the one that she... Saul first, but would never fail. But, of course, after eight hours have gone by, you know, and you're like 11 years old and you want to play football, can understand why is this kid so upset? I mean, what, what's, the, what's the problem? Why is he so antsy? She likes to smell the roses, you know. She likes to enjoy the scenery. But that's just how a woman is, and obviously God made them that way, and... You know, what can we say about that? But you see, men are different. Men are like Jehu. Do you know that? Men, you're like Jehu. You go through life furiously. It means you go as if you're mad. You ever see a man in a restaurant? Is he concerned about the lace tablecloth or digesting the food? I mean, he wants to eat. He went there to eat. Not to smell the roses. See, he he didn't go there to enjoy the scenery. He went there to eat. Now, you take a man. To most men, really, shopping is a foreign word. Did you know that? Men don't shop. Women shop. Men hunt. How many of you know that's true? Men hunt. It's hunting season. Christmas is hunting season for men. You didn't know that? They're not shopping for something for their wife. They're waiting until the last day and then they go hunting. First, they hunt a store that's open. (laughs) Pray to God that they don't close early on Christmas Eve. (laughs) That's what a man does. Where are you going tonight, John? Hunting. What do they care about all the different stores that are there? All they want is an idea from their wife. They want an idea as to what they can get them. And once they have that, they go hunting for it. And once they find it, they have conquered. They pay for it, and they're out. That's a man. He goes through life furiously. He goes through life as one who is mad, you know. He drives fast. Is he concerned about the smell of the roses along the way? No. If the roses get in the way, he'll run them over if he can get there faster. If he can get from point A to point B by running them over, he'll run them over. It doesn't matter. But that's just the way a man is. Now, the thing is, my mother couldn't understand why I was getting so antsy and, and itching to get out there and play some ball, and she couldn't understand why I couldn't understand why she had to go through every item of clothing in the store. But that's a different type of relationship. When you get into a husband-wife relationship, then it's a little bit different, you know. So, turn with me, if you would, please, to Acts chapter 9, because I really believe that all of us guys need to learn some things some from God in His Word with regard to how a woman is and how her makeup is. In Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse 36, instead of saying, why can't men be more like women and why can't women be more like men... What God wants us to do is to appreciate the differences that exist between men and women and then blend the two lives together so as to reflect His image here upon this earth. If there are any changes that need to to take place between a husband and wife, then the idea is that each one must change himself or herself. You can't change the other person. If each one would be dedicated enough to the will of God and apply the principles of God's Word to his life, to her life, then their lives would change. And once their lives were changed, then there's no reason why they shouldn't have a beautiful, blessed experience in God together. A loving, harmonious relationship of love that will reflect His image in a powerful way here upon this earth. There's no reason why they couldn't have that. Man, I want you to read this with me. Look at Acts chapter 9, verse 36. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. It came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And forasmuch as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. How many of you know that Peter wasn't really wanting to stop and smell the roses at that point? See, the women... They are focusing in on all the beautiful things that Dorcas did. The tunics that she made, the undergarments that she made, and that's what all that means if you read another translation, and the coats that she had made, and, and all those beautiful things, because that's a part of a woman's life. And see, they were just... Reflecting and reminiscing and just admiring the workmanship and all the beautiful things. Notice it said the alms deeds alms deems that she did and, and how she gave to the poor. She worked with her hands and made these things. I'm sure there were times she gave items away to those that were poor and, and without and, and couldn't provide you know, for their own. And I'm sure she did these wonderful things, beautiful things. Now, I realize that Peter was on a mission. But I really strongly believe that she was, he was on that mission because God saw all the beautiful things that Dorcas did. God saw the usefulness of Dorcas's life. To God, making those tunics was not a small thing, but they were a spiritual activity. See, things that most men ignore, the beautiful talents and creative abilities that God has placed within the wife, the woman. God sees as being beautiful and meaningful. And God sees that life as being useful to Him. i tell you what, to such a degree, He gave Peter the power to raise her up from the dead so that she can continue in doing that work. Amen. See, God didn't see it as being a non-spiritual activity. God saw her life as being valuable and precious in His sight. And all the things that she did were meaningful to Him and to His kingdom. And see, it had an effect upon the lives of people that she came in contact with to such a degree. I mean, there's not a whole lot of people raised from the dead in the Bible. You realize that. But she was one that was raised from the dead. And you know what? I believe that Dorcas went right on back to doing the things that she did. And If she had any visitation at all up there in glory, he probably said, just go on back doing the same thing that you're doing. Keep on giving your alms and, 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 and making the tunics and blessing people upon the earth because, you know... People will be blessed by it. And their lives will be touched by it. Their hearts will be changed by it. So God noticed those things. Husbands, God wants us to notice those things about our wives. See, God wants us to know that, our, that women are fearfully and wonderfully made, designed by God for a specific purpose on this earth. First of all, to be complementary parts of His image with us, with the men. And also to be an heir together of the grace of life. To share life together because man does not totally complete the image of God by himself on the earth. Now remember we said if you're a single person out there, it's normal for you to have an aching feeling on the inside for a relationship with someone of the opposite sex because God made us that way. If you don't have that at all and you have no interest or desire whatsoever in a marital relationship, then you're going to be among those that the Bible talks about as being selected by God to be single. See, that means that God has given you the gift of singleness, being single and yet being fulfilled in life. And of course, that purpose is to serve Him and to do His will upon the earth. So if you're a single person out there, just note that if you have an aching feeling on the inside, that's a normal thing. But if you don't have it at all, and you have no desire whatsoever, and you know it's from God, and you're spending all your time and serving him and all your energy and doing his will upon the earth, then you know realize that you have a gift from God. But as Jesus said, not too many have that gift. It's not all you know for all men or women to remain single. In first Peter chapter three and verse seven, likewise notice ye husbands, ye husbands, dwell with them. Your wives, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Now, what does he mean? Husbands are to dwell with their wives in an understanding way, even though they don't always understand their wives. It's a husband's duty and responsibility to to still dwell with his wife In an understanding way. Now, notice he said, giving honor unto the wife as unto a weaker vessel. Now, what does he mean by that? Beloved, women are made different than men. Women have more hormones than men. Women have a larger thyroid than men. Women have a a monthly cycle. Men do not have it. Women become pregnant and they give birth to children. Men don't. Women feed their children and give of themselves. Men don't. A man will never know what it's like to have a baby kick on the inside and have life, another human being, inside them. A man will never know that feeling. Women require more sleep than men. Women experience more sickness in their bodies than men. More women are in the hospital and have surgery than men. And 50 to 80% more women take medication than men. And those are all statistics. But listen, it's important for a man to know that his wife is to be honored as the weaker vessel. And therefore, he is to dwell with her knowing that because of the fragile makeup and all the different experiences that she encounters in life, she will go through emotional mood changes. More frequently than a man, during the time that a woman has her monthly cycle, three weeks of her life are affected emotionally. A week before, a week during, and a week after. And most men can't relate to that. But you see, if men don't understand that, know that about women, they just feel that, well, they're nothing but a nag and and, and all this and all that. When in reality, emotional changes are occurring in her that are not occurring in you, that we have to understand. No, you can't do anything about that, but you can be understanding. See, a man can be understanding, and if he understands that, then he begins dwelling with his wife according to understanding. We'll never know what it's like, as I said, to have a baby on the inside and what it does to that person's life. And then... After giving birth to that child, the emotional effect it has upon that woman's life, because she gave birth to a child. The child's here, but it's no longer there. What I'm saying is the body then will go through different emotional changes. So a woman is made up different than a man. So men are are supposed to, according to the word of God, understand that. And to do what? To give honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Now, why does God say to do that? as being heirs together of the grace of life. Because remember, she's not a separate entity, someone apart from you, who's just there to be something apart from you, and to to just be a maid to you, or anything like that. No, God said in His plan, that husbands and wives are to be together, heirs together of the grace of life. This is what God intended from the very beginning. And He intends for men and women to dwell together in harmonious love and unity so that His image can be reflected through their lives upon the earth. And men are to understand that, and then they are instructed and commanded by the Lord to dwell with their wives with understanding. See, it's important that we understand this, men. They have these emotional changes. We understand that. And they yield more to their emotions than a man will. But we are to understand that. It doesn't say that women are to understand men. How many men have you ever heard say, I can't understand my wife? Well, that shows one of two things. Lack of knowledge, ignorance to God's Word, or apathy. I don't care what God said, Because each person is supposed to begin to understand his wife. Man is supposed to understand a woman's makeup and then give honor to her as the weaker vessel. All those things we talked about cause emotional instability sometimes. See that's why a woman is more apt to wear out emotionally before a man is. She needs what her husband has to give. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians if you would please and look at verse 5 or chapter 5 rather. And we're going to look at 33. See, when a woman goes through all those changes in life and experiences all those different things that cause emotional upheaval in her life, and remember, she's more apt to to be yielded to her emotional feelings than anything else, she will oftentimes try to communicate with her husband and let him know how she feels, what she is going through. And as I said, most men are really not concerned about smelling the roses. Most men are not concerned about the scenery along the way. They want to get from point A to point B as quickly as they possibly can. Therefore, when the wife begins to express herself... And explain her feelings and what is happening to her, whether it's during that monthly cycle or whether it's during the time of pregnancy or whether it's after giving birth to a child or whether it's just the stress of life coming upon her when she's trying to to communicate her feelings to her husband. For the most part, men are not listening to what they are saying. Because they like to do things quickly, because they like to, to go furiously through life, to get from point A to point B as quickly as they can and run everything over in the middle, and in between to get there, what they'll do is not listen to what she's saying. They'll not give a listening ear. They'll want to come up with a solution or an answer to the problem immediately, just like that, to get from point A to point B and fix her, just like he would fix the car or the, an appliance in a house or something like that. Well, I'm going to get her all fixed up real quick. You know, I've got a solution to your problem. I've got an answer. But in reality, is he really understanding what she is going through? And for the most part, maybe he can't come up with an answer to the problem. But you know what? He can listen. He can care for her and allow her to vent her emotional feelings and get it all out of her. Because that's exactly what she's trying to do. Now, her feelings may not be right, but her feelings are her feelings and that's exactly what they are. And it's not wrong to talk about them. But you see, then in a loving way, instead of just getting from point A to point B, allow her the freedom of expression to get out of her exactly how she feels, exactly what she's going through. I know some of you are saying, you don't understand. I've been at work all day long. I'm, this guy told me this and that guy told me that. The boss told me this and everybody's talking to me and saying, all the, I've got all these voices coming at me at one time. And when I walk in the door, the last thing I want to have is a scenario given to me from my wife in full detail concerning all that she did throughout the course of the day. But you will notice that the woman will want to say, well, honey, I did this, or honey, I did that, and, and all these different things, and then go into full detail. And the guy right there, he's just getting antsy, and he's just, well, did you get to the point? Get to the point? Get to the point? He always wants to get to the point. He's always wanting to you know, make that destination, to get from point A to point B as quickly as he can. Doesn't want to smell the roses along the way. Doesn't want to look at any of the scenery. But women are different than that. It's important that they have our ears it's important that we listen to what they're saying and appreciate the things that they are doing. When does this begin? Think about it. It begins when they're little tykes. You get a little girl and put her in a room with a bunch of Barbie dolls and she'll talk up a storm. She'll talk and talk and talk and talk. And talk in full detail about all the different things. And then she'll go tell mom all about all the different things she did with her dollies. You get a little boy in a room with a truck. He doesn't talk, he screams. <laughs> the loudest noises you ever heard come out of that kid. Screeching tires and, and everything else. poom, smashing against the, the wall. pal that's, that's what a boy. You want to talk about it? Just get it done. Isn't that what it is? You know, just wants to make a wreck of things, and that's all there is to it. But see, the woman likes to talk and communicate, because that's, it starts from the word go. So, when you come home from work, and when we come home from work, and she wants to go into full detail about the, you know, the things that happen, I believe we've got to do something. I guess we've got to wake up and, and begin smelling the coffee or the roses and, and looking at the scenery and, and, and beginning to see the value of the difference. And, and, and give her room to vent and, and just share. If she's even complaining, if she's saying some things that, that maybe frustrated her throughout the course of the day, give her the opportunity to get that out. I really believe that if it's you know, not available, if, if we don't give them the opportunity to get it out, it just stays in. And it stays in. And there's a build-up and a build-up and a build-up and a build-up on the inside. And then... Sometimes it's, it's too late. See, men can get themselves so busy and preoccupied in what they're doing in their life. And, of course, women can do the same thing. It works both ways. That they don't have time for any of this. But, you see, God doesn't want that. You know, like one fellow said, you can get, you know, so busy like a bee that one day you'll wake up and your honey will be gone. And that's what happens. So wrapped up in all the work and, and, and everything else and not really giving time and attention to listen to what's trying to be communicated because that's how a woman is. She wants to give that full detail and then, you know, there's a breakdown there and, and then before you know it, she's gone. In the book of Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 33, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife. And want every man out there who is married to say, I am to love my wife. I am to agape my wife. Okay, now notice this. Even as himself. Now notice this. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Every woman, out there, wife out there say, I am to reverence my husband. Now why, I ask, did the Apostle Paul by the Spirit of God address men and women, husbands and wives separately? Why did he do that? Why didn't he say husbands and wives love each other and respect each other? with God's love. He didn't say that. He, he, he talked to them separately because he was pointing out that there are different primary needs, separate primary needs in men and also in women. See, this goes back to a man-woman problem once again. Men have certain needs. Women have certain needs. And Paul was addressing that. Men, it's your duty to love your wives with agape love self-sacrifice. Sacrifice yourselves for your wives like Christ did for the church because your wife has certain primary needs. And those needs have got to be met. And you are there to nourish her, to cherish her, and meet those primary needs that she has in her life. But on the other hand, it says women are to reverence their husbands because a man has a specific primary need in his life. See, a woman needs to know that She's loved in order to feel good about herself. She needs to know that she is appreciated in order to feel good about herself. And to, and to hear her husband say, Honey, I love you. And also, honey, it's good to be home with you. I want to hear about your day. I'd like you to give me in full detail all that happened, you know, today if you want to. I'd like to listen. And if she shows you something that she did... She wants to know that you appreciate that, and you don't see that as being some silly non-spiritual activity, but you see the true importance and value of it, and you say, I appreciate your talents and abilities. You know, it's a blessing to come into this house because you've made it a home. A beautiful place to come and live, to rear up our children in. Something that I'm proud of, and, and et cetera, et cetera. And so when a husband will do that, affirming his love and also showing his appreciation, it produces within the woman's life a sense of worthiness, and she's receiving that from the ones that she loves most dearly. The ones that mean the most to her in her life. Husbands need to, but see, most men, once again, won't take the time to smell the roses or to enjoy the scenery along the way. That's her thing. You know, she's involved in that. You know, she's doing it. What is she doing? She's craft work that she's involved in and all that. And, and, and have a real nonchalant attitude about those different things. Why does a woman have to do that anyhow? You know, a lot of men will talk like that. But you see, God made the woman the way she is. And God loves her the way she is. And God put those creative abilities in her so that she can use them for His glory and honor here upon this earth. And when a husband appreciates those things and affirms his love, it produces within her a sense of self-worth. I am somebody special. My husband tells me all the time, I am. And she needs that to be fulfilled and satisfied in life. I don't know if us if, if married men out there realize this, but it was estimated that an American housewife's worth in the work field one who just stays at home and does all the activities that she is to do and all the responsibilities and duties of a housewife. In the United States of America, it's estimated that she is worth $51,000 a year. If you put it all together, calculated everything that she does and what it would cost to have it done by other agencies, it would cost a man $51,000 a year. I know some of you guys out there thinking, like my brother said, we need to find somebody to pay our wives. But you see, the the thing is, for the most part, men don't realize just how much their wives are worth to them. And of course, you can't figure it out monetarily. We understand that. But sometimes it does strike a man's thinking. He realizes, you know, what she does throughout the course of a day. It's just like this one fellow that kept coming home to his wife and saying, you know, well, what have have you done today? I mean, he may have worked hard. She may have worked all hard all day long, taking the kids here, doing that, you know, the taxi service and, you know, running here, running there and and, and doing the housework, the laundry, the the cooking, the cleaning and and all these other things. He comes home. The house is all nice. The kids are all taken care of and blah, blah, blah. You know, everything is all set for him. His clothes are done. You know, he can do whatever he wants to do. Sit down and relax. He's all he's all done. He keeps coming home, you know, every single day and says, well, what have you done today? Because when he walked in, she was talking on the phone. Yeah, I know, it's all you do is spend half your time, you know, just talking on the phone and gossiping and all these different things. And, and here's a guy that doesn't really appreciate everything that his wife does for him throughout the course of the day. Well, one day he came home and there was clothing everywhere. The dishes were piled up. I mean, the, 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 you know, everything was left go. I mean, there was the house was an absolute total wreck. Things that were supposed to be done and he needed to have done, he didn't get his clothes back from the cleaners and... All these different things, and the meal wasn't where he likes to have it, and there wasn't any food on the table for him to eat. He finally walks in and says, well, what in the world have you done today? And of course, she responds, nothing. Just like you said, nothing. I don't do anything. See, when she didn't do it, then he woke up and began to realize, my goodness, this is what she does. The house is the way it is. The kids are taken care of and everything is in proper order because she does a lot throughout the course of the day. She doesn't spend her time doing nothing and just talking on the phone. And some wonder, well, why does she have to talk on the phone at all? Because sometimes she's not, once again, communicating her feelings to her husband and giving him, you know, all the information because he doesn't want to hear about all of what she does. It's important, guys, that we realize that God made women the way they are. And they're valuable and precious in our sight. And they need our ears. And we need to appreciate all that they do because they're far, believe me, worth more than $51,000 a year. On the other hand, ladies, men need to be respected. See, it's something on the inside of a man. Man wants to conquer. Man wants to win. He wants to be made to feel like a winner, that he's achieved a purpose and reached his goal in life. That's why usually when a man goes to work and he puts in his, his, his hours and he comes home with overtime hours and brings home a paycheck that says, you know, a little bit more money for this week or for this month, whatever, that he wants to hear from her. You know, that's wonderful. He wants her to encourage him and recognize that he has achieved a certain goal, a specific thing that he set out to do. And he did that because he has a need to be that conqueror. He has a need to overcome and, and win the challenge. And so, that's why the woman is told to respect your husband. Give him that honor and do respect. If you'll do that, you'll make him feel like a winner. If he does something around the house or whatever he accomplishes, then, you know, give him that pat on the back and tell him how good of a job he did and, and, you know, make a fuss about it involve him in some of the problems that you have in life and, and, and let him know that you want him to help be a problem solver in certain you know, issues that you may encounter in life. And I'll tell you what, when, even if you have a solution, but if you get his input and make him feel like a winner, that shows respect and honors him, and then he's going to do a whole lot more. But if all you say is that you, know, you never do anything, never accomplish anything, then once again, that's exactly what it will go on doing. Because he doesn't feel like that winner, that conqueror there in that household. See, men and women both have primary needs. And only the husband and wife can meet those needs. And that's why Paul addressed them separately. And he says, if you'll just do the right thing, then you'll blend your lives together. I want you to... to uh, Genesis chapter 2. Well, no, I'll tell you what. Let's, let's go to Proverbs here real quick. Instead of Genesis. In the book of Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 20. In Genesis 2, I just wanted to remind us, guys, that remember, it's up to the man to get more in touch with the right side of his brain than it is for the woman to get in touch with the left side. And the reason why I say that is because God made man first, and God made man in such a way... That it's his responsibility to cleave to his wife. When Adam prophesied and said, for this cause shall a man leave, cleave, and become one, it's the man who is leaving, it's the man who is cleaving, it's the man who is becoming one. A man is becoming one with his wife. It is his responsibility to take the initiative to blend those two lives together by dwelling with her according to understanding or with an understanding heart and in an understanding way. It is his responsibility then to put forth this initiative in this effort in energy so as to blend those two lives together to become one. Man has to become more in touch with, the, with that right side of his brain. He has to stop for a while. He has to, to, like I said, smell the roses and slow down his pace in life. It is a man's responsibility and duty then, in other words, to, to, to take the time that is needed to be with his wife, to begin to understand his wife. It is His responsibility to take the time that is needed to, to be with His children and experience the joy of raising up His children and being a part of His children's lives. I know the first thing that's going to come out of this is, well, I'm too busy, you know, to take that kind of time that you're talking about. i, I just got so many responsibilities. I've got so many duties in life. I'm just too, too busy to do all of that. Beloved, the graves are filled with people who were too busy to exercise. Filled with people who are too busy to give attention to their wives, or their husbands, or their children. The graves are filled with people that were too busy to accomplish the most important things in life. They've lived their lives, they've died, and set aside the major issues of importance in their lives. Pursuing other things. It's time that we wake up and smell the roses... And it's time that all of us become more diligent in pursuing the things that are most meaningful to us in life and will have meaningful rewards for us when we depart from this realm of life. When a child grows up and is gone, you can't relive those years. Those years that are not spent are lost forever. And they will impact the child's life forever, believe me. And the same thing is true with regard to a husband-wife relationship. Men have got to take time to know their wives, to understand them, to dwell with them with understanding and begin loving them as Christ loved the church and sacrificing for them. In Proverbs chapter 25, or 20 rather, in 25, not 25, 25, We'll find it here. Okay, 25 and verse 20. Proverbs 25 and verse 20. When a woman is frustrated, emotionally, let's say, in a state of upheaval or emotionally hurting, for whatever reason, if it's the course of the day, if, if it's certain stresses that came upon her life, and maybe, it, like I said, it's, it's during that time of the month, before, after, during, whatever it is that caused a change in her emotional makeup. And she, you know, just goes from one side of the spectrum to the other emotionally because of all the different things that make up a woman. Once again, a lot of times men will be insensitive to that because it's not his body. He's not feeling what she is feeling. So therefore, he's not understanding what's happening inside her. And she's trying to communicate those feelings. And sometimes, yes, maybe she's wrong because she's, you know, maybe saying some things that are maybe negative but still she is expressing her feelings, expressing how she feels. Some men will just retaliate this way. In, in Proverbs 25, 20, this is something that men are never to do with regard to the relationship with their wives. As he that taketh away a garment in cold weather and as vinegar upon niter, so is he that singeth songs to a heavy heart. When she is frustrated emotionally, in other words, when she is having... Uh, Heaviness in her heart and is down somewhat emotionally, then a man is to be concerned about her health and not unconcerned about her emotional stability. What happens if a man takes away the garment in cold weather? The person is open to sickness and disease. There's no warmth there to protect them and keep them warm. And what it's saying is then they're open to attack. They're not concerned about their health and well-being. What happens here is it says when you put or pour vinegar upon niter. A fermentation process takes place, which is a a chemical change with effervescence takes place when vinegar is mixed with niter. And what that is saying is this, that when a man ignores the emotional condition of his wife and doesn't begin to understand what she is experiencing and going through, it can cause fermentation. A chemical reaction to take place with effervescence inside that person's life open her up to emotional sickness and disease. Things begin to take place when you just lightly ignore the very fact that there is a a difference in that person's emotional makeup. And that's why many, after a period of time, have experienced emotional breakdowns. Because, you see, things were taken lightly. And she was being unheard. Her emotional feelings were not being expressed, related to. And therefore, this process takes place. They become emotionally sick. Now, what men are to do is this, in Proverbs chapter 16. Let's close it with a positive note. In verse 23 and 24, in Proverbs 16, verses 23 and 24, a man who is a wise man who dwells with his wife according to knowledge, who recognizes that there is a difference in the emotional makeup of a woman, and a woman will go through much more emotional change in her life than a man ever will because of her makeup, because of the way she is. He will understand her need to communicate her emotions. He'll not become negative because of her emotions, but He also will not put her down or make light of the fact that she's experiencing these emotional changes. The wise husband will be a man whose heart, the heart of the wise, in verse 23, will teach his mouth and add learning to his lips. Pleasant words will be as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones. See, the opposite of this is the, is, is the case instead of pouring vinegar in Niter, what will happen is, pleasant words then will be as in honeycomb, sweet to her soul, and health to her bones. You'll recognize the emotional upheaval. You'll recognize the emotional change. You'll recognize the need for her to vent to in explicit detail explain the course of the day and all the different things that took happen. And then in turn, you will offer pleasant words. You'll be tender-hearted, compassionate, full of mercy and kind, you'll relate to her, you'll be a listening ear, you'll open up your heart to her, and you'll allow pleasant words to become sweet to her soul and health to her bones. That's called nourishing and cherishing her like Christ does the church. Those pleasant words, sweet to her soul, health to her bones. You'll nurture her right back into emotional strength, the spiritual stability because you understand her. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you.